Hey, welcome to another edition of the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast brought to you by Ag Express. Great to have you with us as always. My name is Noah Newman. So today we're going to hear from four recipients of the Most Valuable Dealership Award. Ben Flansberg of Land Pro, Brian Fair of Jenner, Jason Leary of Crystal Valley, and Scott Huber of Huber joined Precision Farming Dealer Executive Editor Kim Schmidt on stage at the 2023 Precision Farming Dealer Summit for a discussion about their award-winning organizations and also the precision farming industry as a whole. So let's hear some of their tips and strategies implemented by their dealerships for growing precision revenue, department expansion, and cutting down on high turnover rates. We'll also find out what they think are the biggest opportunities for precision sales and service in 2023 and beyond. Let's listen in. Ben Flansberg, I'm the IS manager with uh, Land Pro Equipment. Been with the company, uh, the acquisition about five years ago um, from an independent dealership. So we are a John Deere dealership, 20 locations in New York, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Uh, we have an IS team of currently six members, uh, always looking to expand that. But yeah, we still we offer obviously everything John Deere, and we we have a, a lot of other uh, vendors that we we currently work with as well too for precision egg products. Brian Fair, work for Jenner's. We have three locations. I'm the location manager of the Furberry store. And at that location, we basically just do precision products. So it's, we're not, we're not in the OEM world of it. The other two locations do all the whole goods and irons. We basically just focus on precision products. So we cover central Illinois is where we're at. Jason Larry, I'm the Ag Technology Manager uh, with Crystal Valley Co-op. We cover South Central Minnesota. So I'm responsible for our precision agronomy team, uh, which is more working with customers, data management, and then also our precision equipment um, side, which is mainly precision planting. Uh, Scott Huber with Huber Incorporated. First, I'd like to congratulate Ben. Uh, well done. And uh, <clears throat> so, we're in the eastern part of the United States in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia. Uh, I cover, I handle most of the technology and product development for Hoover Incorporated, and, uh, and we're glad to be here. It's good to, good to meet all of you. All right, and we'll go in reverse order this time, starting with Scott as our earliest MVD, I guess, in, in the group we have up here. How have you been growing your precision revenue, and then what's changed since your dealership was recognized as the MVD in the, how you are approaching the precision side of the business? You know, what's changed is we've added a lot more services. Uh, probably one of the main ones is we're doing a lot more boundaries today. Boundaries has come, become such a big deal with these uh, new uh, uh, systems or, or, or our AFS Connect is, is a big deal. But uh, so we're adding a lot more services with mapping and for people and those kinds of things. You know, as far as what's changed, I think just trying to do what we're doing a lot better than what we've done it in the past. You know, the, a lot of the, uh, of our products and the things that we're doing have maturing and they're getting more reliable. And so we're being, trying to be more responsive and providing a better service to our customers than what we were able to do in the past. So just trying to improve that and uh, hopefully get us to the point where we feel like we're, we're above, we get our head above water. Some of the, uh, the farmers earlier today were talking about having, you know, the biggest thing that they need is service and trying to meet that expectations that they're looking for is one of our biggest challenges, but we think we're improving it. Jason? So uh, on our equipment side, what's changed since uh, 2019, we used to just retrofit 
uh, customers' planners. Um, since then, we've been buying used planners, um, flipping them, um, also selling new planners. So that's helped. Probably the biggest change has been on our precision agronomy side. Um, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but when we first started um, with the precision agronomy back 2011, compare the precision egg side to like a free hotel continental breakfast. It was just included, uh, it was free, it was kind of an add-on. And then as time progressed, rather than giving away donuts and coffee, uh, we were starting to give away omelets and steaks and expensive time-consuming um, services. So we have tried to, rather than the precision egg portion be an expense, um, a lot of intangible values. We've now got our own P&L and we're trying to make a profit center out of that rather than just an intangible value added to our existing customers. So we've added some subscription services, taken the soil sampling, the yield maps, the prescriptions, uh, some of the drone flights, uh, and made some packages um, out of that for the customers to try and pay for more staff to be more valuable to the customer. Ryan? So what's changed for us since last year? Um, I sat on the stage last year. And so when I left here, I thought, what do we need to change to be better than we were the year before? And we focused really hard on service, um, raised our service rates, and we hired another service tax. So we have full, four full-time service tax, and then we added another salesman. So we're just trying to make sure that the product we sell, we can service it. And we're making sure that we have our gold customers, our platinum customers, and then if, and so we take care of our customers, what kind of plan they buy and make sure that we're taking care of them the best we can, so. And Ben, maybe not what's changed, but I guess where are you guys focused when it comes to growing the precision revenue? It's kind of echoed what everybody else has said, uh, more of the service side of things. Um, as far as our specific IS department goes, um, and not focusing on the hardware quite as much. We really want our sales team to feel comfortable and have the knowledge to sell the hardware piece. And so our department focuses on the services, whether it be um, the annual service plans, um, you know, we've got startups, spring startups programs and things like that, but really trying to grow the services part of the business. So each of you kind of touched on service packages. How are you structuring? That service, you know, on our farmer panel earlier, we, you know, heard some some comments from them about not necessarily wanting to have to pay every time they call. They'd rather get a service package. Um, what sort of offerings do each of you have uh, in that regard? On the equipment side, you know, we've struggled to come up with um, the service program there where we've been more successful is more on the data management, um, prescriptions, yield maps, soil samples. Uh, and that's a per acre uh, service there. Um, and we've had pretty good adoption uh, with that side of it. Brian? We have messed around with our service plans for about seven years and we keep tweaking them. And we, find, we finally figured out that we set um, a base of $400 if you just want phone support and you want after hour support, it's a $400 maintenance plan. 
And then we have, so if you don't have a maintenance plan with us, our labor rate and show up fee is one price. And then if you have a $400 plan, it gets lower. And then we have our premium plan of, it's 1350 and we, you get after hour support. Um, we answer the phone from noon to four on Sundays. And then we give you one free planner inspection. And when we say planner inspection, that's not openers, that's not parallel alarms, that is making sure that the precision products we've put on that piece works and it's ready to go for the spring. And it's taken some time to get that going, but don't give up on it. Um, I've got one service tech uh, last week that sold almost $20,000 in maintenance plans. So once you get the ball rolling and you stick with it and they find the value of it, they're going to continue to buy them. The biggest problem we have is having four service techs. We don't farm. That is, uh, this is our baby. And so we get, we get customers that buy product from other dealers and then they call us for support. So we want to make sure that if, if you, we sell you something, you're on our premier platinum package and you're getting a hundred percent support. And if you buy, over $10,000 a year from us, you get a free support plan. And so we've kind of rolled that out and, and, and that way the customers know that we're there to take care of them, so. So with what you just said, are your precision, the precision techs are responsible for selling those service packages, not yes. the precision salespeople? Nope, the precision service techs, our service techs are responsible for selling those service plans because they're the ones that's answering the call after hours, in season, and so that's their responsibility so they know who has what. Okay. Ben? So we've got two um, kind of service packages that we offer. Uh, one that we've done for several years, it's our annual service plan. Um, and that kind of includes uh, two trips, you know, out to the farm, pre-planting, pre-harvest, monitor checks, updates, any kind of hardware, rate controllers, things like that, kind of a pre-season check. That includes, um, you know, free phone support in season, email support, access to our hotline number, um, and like that. And we we kind of split it up. You can pay for it all at once, or we can bill you automatically by the month as well, too. So um, that's something that both our IS uh, consultants either sell them or um, our sales team as well, too. Um, can, can sell that to any customer and renews. Our second one that we're, we're launching for 2023 is what we call kind of our spring startup um, uh, packages. So we've got certain set rates and, you know, whether it's a new planner for you, a used planner that you bought from us, um, or maybe something that you've just had for five years, we've got a set rate where one of the IS members or one of our our more skilled technicians in the shop will come out and spend two or three hours actually in the field planting with you, making sure everything's adjusted correctly, making sure the monitor's set up. So that's kind of an addition to or on top of our, our annual service plans. And Scott? Yeah, very similar to these guys. We have an uptime program. We come out and we clean the monitor out. One of the things we're finding is very important is cleaning them out before the season starts taking that information and either getting it downloaded into their system or, or printing maps out for them. Uh, they cut, we charge a fee for the maps, you know, for so much a map and, and do that kind of thing. Uh, Preseason checks, so very similar to what these guys talked about. Uh, what service package offerings work out best for customers? 
the preseason, I think, is the best package that we offer the up to, in the winter time. Uh, it's the best time to make sure that everything is, is where it needs to be. If there needs to be adjustment to equipment, uh, to, the, to their technology, it's a good time of year to get that done. Uh, one of the things we're finding is, is we've been doing this long enough now that the monitors are, or the technology that some of these guys bought seven, eight years ago is, is really starting to die or having issues. And, you know, you, you tell the customer, you know, you, you need a, your technology is getting old. You need, you need to upgrade your technology. And they're like, well, I just bought this, you know. Well, you didn't just buy it, you know. When you, when you, they look back in history and you tell them, oh, you bought that eight years ago. You know, how long did you keep your phone? You know, you only, oh, I just got a new phone. I only keep them about three years. Okay, they, you, need to be, you need to be upgrading your technology and your equipment just like you need to be upgrading your phone. So usually that conversation is a good time of year to have that. Jason? Yeah, we've, you know, anything that makes their life easier, um, if it's going to save them time or be proactive, um, is the things that we have found in the package that have been most successful. And we have found tiering it has, when we first started, we had like an all-in covered everything program. And that really did not work. And we ended up having to tear it down um, and have a couple different levels and give them options. And that seemed to be a lot more successful. Right. Like they said, the preseason where we can go out and inspect and, and make sure the monitors are up to date, that's where we're seeing our most value on that side of it. Ben? I would agree. Everything preseason so that we can get our hands on it, you know, prior to May 1st when they're sitting at the edge of the field is beneficial both for us as a team uh, timing wise and also the customer as well, too. Um, and with those service plans, making sure that spelled out within those the expectations, both um, from us as a dealership and the, and the customer are, are clear as far as what's included and what's not included in there. So in the roundtable that Jason and I were in today, we were talking about the uh, developing new precision hires. And that conversation, a lot of it centered around how so many of our precision techs end up moving on to sales and that it's hard to keep anyone kind of in that spot for very long. Just interested in each of your take on whether is that a bad thing? Is it should it be a stepping stone to somewhere else or do we need to still figure out how to keep keep people in the department, but progressing further in their career and, and doing more. Whoever has an answer first, I'll let you go. <laughs> I'll give our story. I'm kind of the opposite, actually. Um, half of our team I actually robbed from other departments within us. So I've brought someone in from sales, um, brought one of our best service techs that's been with the company the longest in IS, um, just so that we can take their knowledge and their experience and filter that backwards back through the dealership. Um, so we, we haven't lost anybody the other way. Okay. So for, so everybody asks, how do we keep our service techs into our, and without going to sales? Everybody thinks sales is an easy job, but service in, in, in our organization, we have the salesmen and we have the service guys that have done the precision. Well, there's a lot of pressure on our sales team to go out and sell the product to get the install labor for our service tax. When our service tax are turning in their dollars, I would say probably 70% of their money is coming from our sales team selling the product. So our, we've had two service tax that have been in the service and they've been there eight years. Um, that'll probably bite me next week, but so far 
them guys have not wanted to move up into sales, but things change every day at a hundred on a hundred employee company. So uh, we'll see what happens. So far, we have not had an issue where service techs are wanting to go to sales because we are all commission. We are a salary, and then we're commission based. So my service techs, right in 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 season, they work. Um, I expect to answer phone from six to eight, from six in the morning till eight at night, and then Saturdays same way. But in the off season, they're on their own. We don't micromanage them. Um, if they work thirty hours in the summer and 30 hours in the winter, as long as the work's done, we're good. So we don't, I mean, that's part of their, their job's a lot flex, more flexible than a salesman. Yeah, we haven't had um, a lot of our precision people want to move into sales. I think it's, we've had a few, but it's two different, you know, aspects. I think the, the precision people like, you know, data and information and helping consult with that customer. Uh, the sales role is a, it's a whole different animal. Um, so primarily, um, precision people like staying there. The other thing, I think that's different between the two from a customer relationship. We have we get a lot of young people. Um, got some colleges in the area that all have precision ag or ag technology programs. So we get a lot of interns, a lot of young people, and it seems like the customers are more willing to trust a younger person with technology than compared to an agronomist making chemical recommendations. They want somebody that's been in it for 10 years. Um, where on some of the tech side, they're okay um, trusting a younger person out of school with some of those recommendations. So it's, yeah, that's where we're at on staffing side. Yeah, um, you know, we love our young people. They're, uh, they're so enthusiastic and they're, they're hard workers, do a great job. Um, so, you know, we, we encourage them to, you know, reach out to other areas of our business if that's if they so desire and they want to move into another area. You know, we, we don't want to discourage them. We want to encourage them as much as we possibly can. So, you know, we we had we've had some precision people move into sales and they've been very effective. Uh, one of the things we do is we use uh, Zoho as our CRM, and so our precision people and our salespeople both use that uh, as our CRM. So it's. It, help, it helps them to know that when they move into sales as well. It really, really uh, helps to track what they're doing and how they're doing it. And let's burn a quick timeout and share a message from our sponsor, Ag Express. Dealers, farmers, and those in ag know the importance of getting the most from their efforts. Technology has been a significant game changer when it works, and when it doesn't, turn to the experts at Ag Express Electronics, who find a way by specializing in the timely repair, support, sales, and engineering of ag technology. Whether planting, harvesting, chemical application, or hay baling, Ag Express has a solution for nearly any operation. So you can feel confident doing business with Ag Express Electronics because of their excellent reputation, track record for quality work, and commitment to technology. The company is 100% certified, employee owned, and celebrating over 30 years of providing possibilities. Now, back to the conversation. Any questions from the audience? On the preseason planter inspections and whatnot, I understand it's a whole package where you get phone support and everything else. Is are you charging the same price for an eight row versus a twenty four row? Yes. Yep. Okay. For us, we understand we're going to make money on some and lose money yep. on others. But it's when when you're trying to have sales sell those packages for you, 
you just got to make it black and white and simple. Yeah, we, we distinguish between a planner inspection and a and a precision ag uptime. That's for us. That's two different, yeah, two different things. Do you have any suggestions for um, a dealership that's like really small scale? Like I'm the only precision specialist and I have one tech. What would be like your suggestion for growth? I guess because you guys all started somewhere. Um, what was something that really gave you guys a turning point? Did you just start hiring people? Did you, like one of you guys said that they started bringing from people from other areas. What was this, like the first thing you guys kind of, I don't know, like started with, like, I know there's a lot of established dealers here, but there's also a lot of smaller scale. And I just like to see that side of it a little bit. So I can take this on our equipment side. Uh, we're smaller as well. We just hired our third person um, that's dedicated. So we had two for a long time. Um, as far as growth, probably the biggest thing we did is when we hired the second person, um, they were both doing sales and service. And there's a lot of things that got missed and they liked sales more than being in the shop. Um, so having once we got to a certain point, having dedicated job descriptions and separating out some of that um, really helped. It helped the salesperson was able to get out and do more. And so having um, those job descriptions separated uh, was probably our biggest thing when we were at that two to three people mark. What was the tipping point from going from that one person to hiring the second one? Some of it was... Uh, when people became available and what we had for growth potential. Um, we probably would have done it two years ago and then we had some of this allocation and shortages. Um, and now I think we're hopefully past that. So actually our third salesperson just started yesterday um, with anticipation of hopefully we're over the shortage problem. So <clears throat> I told you that I expect my techs to work from six to eight in the busy season. When I started with a partner, um, there was no six to eight for me, and there was no not Sundays. Um, I look at my text today, and I started in 2010, and we worked from sun up. I mean, I would get phone calls at eight o'clock at night, and I would leave because I wanted to make sure that guy was ready to go. He was fixed and ready to go, so I, if I had something else the next morning, and that's how we grew our business. Um, him and I never did any cold calling. We just did it on service and just word of mouth. And, and if you're starting young, that's the best way to sell it. If you're starting small, is service, service, service. And you have to answer those phones at late at night. And it's hard for me being a manager of 13 employees when I guys, got guys saying, I don't want to answer it after eight o'clock when I know what I did to start. But it's the reality of what the young people were dealing with. And so you got to make that break somewhere. And so that's, it's where, I mean, it's, it's a struggle, but it's the younger generation. And I mean, I say young, but it's that the 18 to 20 year olds, if you're getting them before college, you're going to, they're going to, you're going to struggle to get them to work the hours. But that's what you have to do as a small company. Yeah, I would. If you build it, they will come. That's what I was taught, um, starting as an independent and building a business from nothing. Um, those stepping stones were always scary. You know, your, your first building purchase, your first employee, um, 
things like that. But the business will follow. Ask your customers to those in-season service wins at nine o'clock at night. Ask your customers to share those, um, share those wins, those testimonials, things like that, um, because it goes a long ways. Um, especially when you start talking about adding employees or expanding your business. Um, yeah, if you're if you're not uh, if you're not part of any kind of peer group, dealer to dealer peer group, you know the, I've been involved with one for twelve years, and you know the the things that you're going to go through, somebody's already been through it. So the amount of knowledge they could bring through that is um, is valuable. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah, I would I would suggest three things, and especially just to repeat what these guys said. You know, I like the idea of the peer group. You know, you need to know what's happening. Uh, I would focus on your service your service guys in the shop. Try to get one or two of them trained up to do it as well, to help when they need to help. And then uh, I think the last thing is to, is to stay disciplined. Don't get yourself caught chasing some problems, you know, far away from the dealership that really doesn't, is really somebody else's problem. So you got to stay disciplined. Are you doing anything to incentivize your customers to attend trainings? We have, so um, we have not done an ag leader training for about three years. And we have a location that we normally do it at that seats 40. And I've had to go find a different location. So maybe sometimes you just don't do a training for a year. And we're, we've got over 70 that are coming just to the ag leader training. And then the precision side of it, um, we're fortunate with precision planning. We have PTI that's 15 miles from us. And so we do an all day training there and we break guys up into three groups. And so we run them through the monitor training and then we have a planter in that shop that we can do go over all the harnessing and maintenance and all that of a planter. And then we also do some agronomy side of it. So if you could break it up into three different sections, so it's not just beating the monitor or something, they'll come for the value of the agronomy side and learning the planter side of it. So. I'll echo that, I guess. So we don't answer your question. No, we don't incentivize anything. Um, we usually have pretty good attendance, you know, at the planter clinics and stuff. Probably the biggest draw that we have, we do a lot of agronomic research. It's starter, nitrogen, fungicides, um, a lot of that internal. And guys are hungry for that. So actually this week we've got our big agronomic um, meeting where we share all that information and then we'll have breakout sessions um, with different training um, pieces and they come for the agronomic stuff and uh, as long as it's valuable they've got to take something away from it at the end of the day um, so as long as you can make it valuable um, we've had pretty good luck getting people there uh, yeah I would say we haven't done a very good job um, it's been a challenge. We've tried several different things. We, we've had a training trailer. We've had, you know, clinics, um, different things. I'd say it's just not been a very successful to get customers to see the value in getting out and getting training ahead of time. They all want to learn on the job. Uh, they seem like that's the only time they want to learn. And sometimes it just becomes very difficult. So I would say we haven't done a very good job. Yeah, we don't do anything as far as incentivizing our customers, but in the last 12 months um, as an IS department, we've really shifted our focus to more training, both internal and external. Um, 
trying to bring the level of knowledge for our customers up um, so that they're almost just as advanced as, you know, some of our some of our people. Um, I think too often in the precision side of things, we've got this weird feeling that our customers have to call us for help. Um, if they're not calling us, they're going to do business with the next dealership or why aren't they calling? And, and that creates that burnout in the spring. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to bring their knowledge level up so that on Monday morning they can call and say, you know, this broke down on Sunday afternoon, but I didn't have to call you because you taught me how to do that on my own. Yeah. If I could say one more thing, I think getting them, you know, one thing that's helped is getting them onto a YouTube video with a, you know, that goes over a, a specific monitors or monitors has been a re real big help. It seems like they'll watch that. They'll sit there and watch that uh, on their phone pretty easily. So that's been a good training tool. What do you think is the biggest opportunity in precision sales and service, you know, for, for this year and the next couple of years ahead? For me, I would say it's the autonomy world. I mean, Kim, you came to our um, autonomy day when we had the Raven auger wagon there, the Omni drive. And I'm telling you guys, I told Kim, it took 20 years to get farmers to understand GPS, but the autonomy side of it, we had guys standing there saying, if you can get this on an Agco tractor, I'm in. And so the auger wagon, that side of it, um, they, they are bought into it. We just got to get the product that works. Um, the one guy that did buy it, we had a meeting with him and Raven. And he told Raven, we don't need to go to the moon. We need to get on the rocket ship. And he says, if I can have a tractor that's done strip till when I'm combined in beans and I can watch it, that's all I need. And he says in the spring, if I'm not doing strip till and I can have that tractor field cultivating and I can be planting, the guy that was in that field cultivator can now be spraying. So I know there was some of guys were saying the autonomy's I'm, the autonomy's coming and it's coming fast. And the one person said, you need to have your house, house in order so you can be ready for the next step. Autonomy's coming and that's why we're adding service tax because we know that day's coming and we're gonna be all in when it's here. By auger cart, you must have meant green cart. Huh? Yep, right. yep. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we've, in our area, we've got some of the most productive farmland in the world. It's not ever going to go unfarmed. Um, so I, the opportunities are huge. And I think growers have really understood they're starting to farm more as a business and look at data decisions rather than, you know, how dad used to do it. Um, and a lot of that's education. Um, but I think we really are starting to get some growers to push the limits, um, try new things, you know, increase yield, increase ROI. Um, so I think within the precision agronomy f area, um, there's a lot of potential. These acres are gonna, you know, get consolidated or, you know, they might change hands, but it's not ever gonna go on farm. So there's a lot of opportunity to keep improving. Yeah. I, um I would just say, you know, most of our farmers, you know, they really like to hit the easy button, right? And whatever we can do to help them hit the easy button and have everything in place so that they can do that with their products uh, that they're running uh, is, is a huge 
huge factor for us, we think, going forward. So that's, that's, that's what we're focusing on. I would say the training and education piece is uh, the big opportunity that we look at. Um, you know, all the talk about autonomy this week and, and like that, it's not just going to be that easy button that somebody buys tomorrow. There's stepping stones in order for, you know, our customers to get there so that they're perfect they're prepared for that level of technology that see and spray and all, all this stuff that's coming so fast. Um, so we got to start building those foundations now with our customers to prepare them for two, three years down the road. Um, when, when autonomy becomes, you know, reality on their, on their operations. And that'll wrap things up for this week's edition of the precision farming dealer podcast brought to you by ag express. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, for all things Precision Farming Dealer related, check out precisionfarmingdealer.com. Have a great day.